It's John Bozica. 10 until noon, Monday through Friday. Local issues, community information, and lots of opinions. So one of the long-running discussions here in the United States for, gosh, I don't know how long, seems like forever, has been college athletes getting paid in some regard for their likeness, for whatever you want to call it. And just yesterday, it was put out by the Supreme Court that there is ongoing discussions about this. I believe it was Justice Kavanaugh who started to discuss it. So to talk more about it, we go to the phone line and bring in the former dean of the University of Akron Law School, current professor at the University of Akron, and Marty Belsky. Marty, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Marty, as I said, this is a topic of discussion that has been going on for uh, years and years and years, it seems. And yesterday, I, I just read about how in the Supreme Court there is, I guess, a, a new idea of discussing this. Um, what can you tell me? Okay. Well, first of all, i got to go back a little bit in history. As you know, I do that all the time. Absolutely. Way, way back, some of you remember, there was a guy named Tarkanian who was the coach of a team a basketball team in California, and he was removed from his position, and the state and the college were punished by the NCAA. He sued in the Supreme Court using a doctrine of amateurism, said there was no okay, was a technical reason why he had no right to sort of raise these issues. A little bit later, they talked about the idea of whether or not you can have individual contracts by a uh, university, and again, the Supreme Court talked about the idea that the NCAA stands for amateur athletics at its height. This is the first case. Um, this is the first case in the Alston case where the Supreme Court, the majority opinion first, and I'll get to the concurrence in a minute, the Supreme Court has challenged the concept of NCAA amateurism. Throughout the, uh, the major opinion, although the, the holding is rather narrow, the holding was whether or not a university can pay educational benefits to an athlete after that person graduates. Can they pay for someone to go for a master's degree, a law degree, a medical degree? Uh, can they do that? And the NCAA said no. Supreme Court said the NCAA couldn't do that because that uh, would be a violation of anti-monopoly law. They don't have the ability to sort of set the parameters on that particular limited area. But the language they used in that opinion which was a challenge to the idea of amateurism, which was a comment talking about the idea that individuals have a right to be able to bargain uh, on a fair basis, is to me the opening wedge. That wedge was widened dramatically, dramatically by the concurrence by Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh did a heartfelt, complete attack on the entire idea of compensation for athletes who are being uh, paid only educational benefits right now. And he said these people have, you know, have the right to bargain. He talked about the multi-billion dollars that is kept by the NCAA, the multi-million dollars that are kept by various uh, universities. And his basic argument was this should be a matter where individuals have the right to bargain, the individuals have a right to sort of demand certain things, and universities have a right to compete. They can say, we'll give you X by you know, dollars. We'll give you Y dollars. Um, and also, the concurrence talks about the idea of under the table and over the table. There's been complaints year in and year out 
that some colleges and universities play games. That yes, they only pay for educational benefits and housing, but sometimes there'll be an alum who'll give a car, or there'll be someone else who does something else, or there'll be promises of sports agents while that person's in college. And he seemed to talk about the idea of transparency in the concurrence, that if we make this an open situation where people come in, they talk about how much they should be paid, how they should not be paid, okay, that makes the system much fairer and makes the system much open. Now, let me give you the counter-argument. The counter-argument is that most universities lose tons of money, tons of money on sports. Places like Akron or Cleveland State, okay, you know, those individuals subsidize their teams. They don't make enough money from ESPN or from the contracts, et cetera. They really lose money. They do it for the visibility. They do it for sort of attracting students to come to their school. Uh, they, they do it for trying to raise money from alumni. But most schools lose money. So a ruling says the counter-argument, which says that you can pay athletes would make the present division between the top teams and the middle teams and the lower teams even worse because they'll be able to sort of buy anybody they want for any reason they want. Uh, again, going back and forth, it seems quite weird to have somebody who is a college basketball coach or a college football coach make a half a million dollars, a million dollars, four million dollars, and five million dollars, and his star athlete makes nothing. Um, so, I mean, I think this is the opening of the wedge. I think you're now going to find Congress stepping in, which is, by the way, what the majority and the concurrence talked about. Congress coming in for the first time and seriously considering what they're going to allow and not allow in their antitrust laws. So really, this is a, this is a significant decision because it really is a direct attack on the NCAA defense of amateurism. Isn't there a sense, though, as Marty Belsky is my guest this morning, former dean of the University of Akron Law School, current professor, isn't there a sense, though, that the benefits that an athlete is given come from free education, come from the fact that they get room and board, come from the fact that they get all the different things that are granted to them if they get a full ride to play that sport? Isn't that part of what they're like, you know, they're they're I guess I I'm, I'm at a loss for words here, but, you know, what their benefit is to getting that opportunity, Marty? Yeah, but again, um the Kavanaugh's concurrence and other situations saying, you know, it's really unfair to poor people. And Kavanaugh was explicit. Even he said minorities, because there are many minorities who, even with a scholarship, can't afford to go to college, right? Because they have to help support their parents or help to support their brothers and sisters. They really can't afford to go to college, you know, because of this. And they wind up not going to college. They wind up playing semi-pro situations or going to Europe or other places like that, where sometimes they go in. And one of the interesting things that a colleague of mine said to me last night was, don't you think that LeBron James would have played college basketball if he could have been compensated while he was in college? He felt he had to go pro because he had to support his family. He was the sole support of his family. Don't you think he would have taken that one year, two years, or three years? And then we have the one-and-done situation where you have so many people in college basketball for a while who would go in for one year because they had to be eligible Right. And then they were done. Now, is that any better than the idea of maybe having them come in? And we're not talking about massive payment here. The idea was that we should pay them enough so that if they have economic needs, you know, we pay individuals, you know, to sort of do other stuff. You know, we pay individuals to sort of uh, 
coached and to the assistant coaches. Now, what happens is that you have – we had a number of law students, by the way, who while in law school, they would work at a, uh, in athletics, but they would be a coach or an assistant coach, right? Many of those individuals probably would like to continue playing ball, but they couldn't because they couldn't afford to survive and support their family or their relatives, which is very often true of minority or individuals are economically at a loss. Uh, they do that. So that's the counter argument. But, you know, yes, the argument made by the NCAA, the argument made by colleges and universities, look, we're giving these people a free ride. We're giving these people living expenses. That should be enough. Where do you think this goes from here, Marty? What, what do you think the next steps are with this? And, and how much longer do you think this discussion will go on before there's maybe a, a an agreement reached? All right. I think you're going to find... I hope, you know, with all the chaos going on in the Congress, I can't always predict as I'd like to. But I think this is going to, you're going to have hearings in the next year, both the House side and the Senate side, talking about changing the antitrust laws to provide the ability of college athletes to be paid. Uh, where they're going to go, I can't wind up. And I think the Supreme Court is going to keep quiet for two to three or four years to see if Congress can act. But if they don't act, I think in four years, they're going to basically challenge the entire concept of no compensation for our amateur athletes. I really think it's going to do that. Now, the counter problem with that is that, again, who's going to be compensated? It won't be, you know, the, the, the gymnast, right? It'll be, it'll be a football player or it'll be the basketball player. And it might be at least a will and an Akron soccer player. But, you know, for most people who play in amateur sports in college, you know, they're not, they're not going to get compensated for that. So the issue is, will it create a divide? The counter-argument is we already have that divide, don't we? I mean, the argument is that, yes, we have all these sports being played in college, but most people follow two, maybe three sports, and that's it. But I think the next step is going to be Congress, uh, sort of taking a look at various situations. Uh, I think you're going to find more challenges by individual athletes. Um, I think then you're going to find a court uh, who will sit tight on it for a number of years. But if Congress doesn't act, I wouldn't be surprised if Kavanaugh can gain three, four, even five more people to join him and do a general attack on the idea of no compensation. Do you foresee the idea of this happening for college football, for college basketball, for, you know, your major sports? Do you foresee this hurting the NCAA as a whole when it comes to some of the other amateur sports that you said, like soccer, like volleyball, like some of the sports that will not see this. Do you see that divide hurting it to a point to where it's, it's, um, I guess, irreparable? Well, uh, and I, mean, I don't think so. And here's why. I mean, the NCAA has already been challenged by the fact that individual teams now negotiate for TV contracts. Notre Dame is a good example of that. Uh, they drop out of various conferences and stuff like that. So I think the NCAA will have sort of the rules as to propriety, the rules as to, you know, challenging individuals. I think there'll be a loosening of the rules. I also think uh, for years back, we used to have many of individuals who were involved with AAU, the Amateur Athletics Union, uh, which was sort of a amateur sort of group situation. The NCAA could turn into less of a multi-billion dollar entity and more of an individual that a group that represents the sport. Um, the NCAA is such a powerful figure right now. It's independence, it's money, it's resources. I think you're going to find, I also think you will find, as we did with sports on TV, that there might be a breaking away of the conferences. Uh, some of the major conferences and minor conferences will feel that they can be more independent 
and the NCAA. I think all those things are going to involve. That doesn't scare me. The idea of having multiple bidders doesn't scare me at all. As far as the other kind of sports, the other kinds of gymnastics, for example, in situations like that, it might wind up being a little bit better for them because you can see that as we progress to the Olympics, individuals who at one point were never considered to be looked at, you know, now are looked at. And we now know that you can have in the Olympics pro pro sports figures can play in the Olympics, look at basketball, for example. Um, so I think it's going to have some effect um, on amateur sports but not as much as people fear, and it might have a positive effect. Marty Belsky, former dean of the University of Akron Law School, current professor at the University of Akron. I always appreciate the time, sir, and uh, look forward to having you on again soon. And keep those cards and letters coming in, folks. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Marty. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.